poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Philosophical Friday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and Duncan Palamortis. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. Today is Friday, and boy, do we have some philosophical things to discuss in today's show. It's been quite a week here in the poker universe, in the online arena anyway. Um, all the discussions about the... The World alleged... Series of Poker and how we're going to talk... All the alleged um, real-time assistants, cheating, all the scandals that have broken this past week have given rise to the idea of a, a poker blacklist, right? And, you know, today, Duncan and I are going to talk about what is what does that mean, our opinions on said blacklist, the best way to deal with... RTA and uh, I guess what RTA is, um, and, and this may be a multi-part topic because it's quite large, quite nuanced, and, and I get the feeling that Duncan and I are going to have some different opinions, which, which will be nice for for a change. We we can disagree with one another um, over the course of this next hour. Duncan, how you doing, sir? I'm doing very well, Brad. Very well. And uh, uh, how about yourself? I'm doing quite well. Just uh, hanging out. Um, trying to digest all of these bombshells that have been just dropped over this past week. Are you surprised? No. Um, we, ha we have quite the history. That's that's true. Like it's uh, for as long as I remember being involved with poker, there's always something popping up. I agree. I I'm anytime there's large incentives to cheat large financial incentives, there's going to be some percentage of the poker population that will do so. And especially when there's like very minimal downside to cheating, right? Which I think is pretty much the issue at large. And that was actually going to be my first question. You know, why do people break the rules? You know, why do they get to to, to that point? And uh, um, I, I think you you answered it pretty eloquently right i mean because they can because they have financial incentive and uh well and typically i was gonna i would i do want to add something here too mm -hmm. like and i would go back to the steroid era of baseball where mm -hmm. um you know why did barry bonds break the rules during the steroid era because he did it actually quite late in the game or it appeared to be quite late you know after sammy sosa and mark mcguire had their you know just well publicized chase to own the home run record, right, um, and beat uh, 61 home runs in a season. Um, and, and it was clear, right, like Mark McGuire's arms were like bigger than my head, right, his forearms. He's <laughs> just a jacked, giant guy. And so like when I think about that situation, I think about Barry Bonds and what he was seeing, right, was it's very likely, I, I can't prove this, but he saw two players who he felt were likely inferior hitters than him who are chasing something that should not be possible and would not have been possible had they not been juicing. And mm -hmm. it led to him juicing, right, to uh, basically gain a competitive edge. And then to me, 
that's like the top of the hierarchy. And then if you go all the way down to the bottom, right, let's the people who are most at risk are fringe players, like fringe major league baseball players whose livelihood and lives uh, depend on staying in the game or making it to the pro level. And they can't uh, unless they start juicing, right, which just leads to a whole culture of players who are juicing, especially when there was very limited downside to doing so, right? Like, I think there, the penalty was somewhat minor. The testing was pretty much non-existent. It was like an open secret that everybody at the time was juicing both batters and players. Um, and so the reason why um, players started cheating was to gain an edge. And then the reason why it became so pervasive was so that all the other players could bridge the gap uh, that was you know, created by steroids, which mm -hmm. just led to an infestation uh, across across the board, right? Until there were better deterrents in place that reduce the incentive. Now, this is this is great, and, and immediately there are a couple of questions that come to mind. The first question is, how is that different than just being, let's say, genetically different than uh, an opponent, right? You know, so for example, and I mean it philosophically. I don't mm -hmm. mean it uh, sure. practically. It's artificial versus uh, natural. Uh, and second of all, wh where, where do we draw the line? In other words, isn't there already a hierarchy in, in baseball in another uh, other sport where you said it yourself, you know, there's already somebody who's ahead of the competition no, no matter what. And uh, again, how, how's that different? And where and where do we draw the line? Um, can you restate the question again? Just yeah. Time. So uh, just to, to give it a little bit more color, um, because uh, it, it's a little bit of a weird question is, when let's say that we have let's say Alex and Bobby, right? I mean, we have two, two two competitors, right? And for whatever reason, at some point before steroids, you know, Alex is ahead of the game, right? Alex is beating is beating Bobby. So there is something that either Alex does better or she's inherently better. That happens sometimes. Right? I mean, not everybody's created equal in every sure. domain of life, right? So at that point, Alex has an edge. And Bobby either does something or is someone or discovers something about themselves or, you know, they do steroids. And at some point, Bobby, you know, becomes better than Alex for whatever reason. That reason can be, you know, he started studying or he does steroids. My question is, how is that different? You know, all of a sudden, Bobby became better. And where do we draw the line? Where would we decide what stuff is allowed and what stuff isn't allowed when we live in a world where hierarchies are going to exist and the people at the bottom of the hierarchy, they're always going to face the consequences no matter what? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, such a tough question, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it, it's very, very tough to see where the line is. And I mean, I, I would personally leave it up to the expo experts in charge to draw the line and make the rules unambiguous mm -hmm. and state them very cl clearly. Um, and I don't think it's a thing that, like, retroactively you can retroactively police. I think it needs mm -hmm. to be like quite clear on a giant billboard that everybody is aware of, this is the penalty, like this is the line, right? Because I mean, you, you, we could also make tons of arguments about just where you're born, who your parents are, what your nutrition plan is, Absolutely. how you were trained, how you're raised, Absolutely. access to coaches, you know, all of these things inherently give you an edge in the endeavor that you choose to, to take. And, and I mean, to me, knowing that like, yeah, it's okay to have a coach, right? It's okay to have a nutritionist. Um, it's not okay to inject steroids into your body because it's dangerous for your health that, you know, X, Y, or Z, um, dangerous, like a dangerous precedent to set for like teenagers, 
for instance, who may go down that path and it may be quite unhealthy for them. And um, so, yeah, and basically make the rules, broadcast them quite clearly and succinctly and say, this is the punishment. If you get caught doing this, this thing, this is what will happen. Here's a crazy and potentially terrible idea worth exploring, right? I mean, that I never hear people talking about it. I mean, but here we have a philosophical podcast. We might as well think about it. What if there is no line? What if everything goes? What if, you know, steroids became legal? I mean, obviously, there are going to be negative consequences, and then people are going to have to decide whether they want to do it or not. But what if we would we allow that? You know, what is, you know, the sort of be like the, the worst that can happen? And uh, isn't in the end of the day up to the person who is going to compete whether or not they're going to do that. And for example, an example that comes to mind is competitive bodybuilding. In competitive bodybuilding, actually, steroids are not only allowed, but they're also encouraged. And I'm not saying to people, you know what, you know, go ahead, go ahead and do it. I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite against them. And we can, we can talk about for, for a very long time. But in terms of, you know, um, regulation, why not? Let it be. And whoever wants to get into that insanely competitive world, if they want to make those sacrifices, it's still their choice. Yeah, I think the, the major thing would be the image or, you know, the image of, of the professional sports league itself, because you have children who are, you know, five years old who get into professional baseball and the players are looked upon as some kind of societal heroes because they're able to play a game at a high level and they would like to discourage or actually I don't, I don't think they care about discouraging youths right. from using steroids i think actually they just care about the negative blowback from the families i mean if there's anything that i've learned over the past few years it's that professional sports leagues by and large don't appear to don't appear to really care about their players they more care about the image of their brand and how that is affected and so i would think that like basically you know that's the reason why they don't want steroids to, to be there. And I, and I would say like, I agree with you actually. And that like, if the rules were anything goes, then, you know, that that's the rules, right? Like that, that's how they, they govern their own sport in the same way that like bodybuilding goes. Right. And I think the major benefit to the anything goes is that at least in that case, you wouldn't have to be dealing with like some sketchy type of operation or, you know, sketchy operation in, in that, like you got to deal with some doctor who's getting these steroids in some way then administering them. And you don't right. even know like if, if everything is good or if you're taking the recommended dose or you're injecting it correctly. I mean, like, so basically there would be more oversight into the whole process, which I think would be overall healthier to the players um and be definitely uh more educational so like to me i think that it's not a bad idea to just say anything goes in that sense if there's some kind of oversight um maybe within x limit or whatever where the person isn't just like gonna snap have a heart attack right Right. And again, I mean, these are the type of consequences that uh, eventually people they realize they're, they're part of the of the business. There is a there's a lot of people. Uh, uh, I'm into fitness training. I mean, like I said, I, I, I detest steroids, but there's people who are actually talking about that idea of steroids and how complicated it is uh, to, to do it in, in, in a healthy manner. And I'm not in any way, shape or form saying that this is this is the right thing. What I'm saying is that uh, it may be worth exploring the idea that, you know, since we have such a hard time finding the line, maybe we shouldn't 
look for a line. We just let you know chips fall where they may, and uh, or at least consider exploring that idea, and then see people uh, see where we land. Uh, essentially, with, with with that topic, what do people do about this? I'm sure there's going to be some some health issues. I'm sure there's going to be some deaths, and then people realize that there are certain risks. And uh, you know, sometimes you know the the, the way we're advancing uh, in 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 a lot of areas of life is by by tinkering and by trying things out and seeing that some ideas are actually terrible. And perhaps you know by by allowing steroids, people realize how terrible they are, and now they start they they consciously try to to stay away from them rather than like I said, I mean, be involved with the sketchy doctor that tries to conceal certain facts uh, that, that you know make them untraceable untraceable. Excuse me. In, in their bodies and potentially induce them with uh, um, other toxins as well. Yeah. So now we've had a, a 10 minute talk on steroids in baseball. <laughs> I think we can, we can tie this into the current poker situation regarding RTA, which stands for real-time assistance. Real-time assistance. Yeah. Because again, I mean, I asked the question on Twitter and I think it's very relevant here. The question is, would you allow uh, RTA assistance online uh, if you were you? Uh, and, uh, I'll pass the question to you. Maybe again, we can do the the good old, uh, what do you think <laughs> the response was, which is not very difficult to guess. Yeah, uh, I would say not a lot of people publicly advocating for using RTA or, or allowing it um, while you play it. I guess because it is Philosophical Friday, right? Like right. the first question that I have or would like to flesh out is like, what is RTA, right? Like what is con considered real-time assistance? Because you know, a HUD is technically real-time assistance, right? Correct. It is giving Correct. you Correct. Uh, feedback in real time and it is assisting you. So like we have HUDs, you know, there are push fold charts, there are preflop right. charts, all of these things are assisting people in real time. Right, exactly. And again, it's one of those things, where do we draw the line? It's one of those questions that uh, it can go anywhere from, you know, a very simple starting hand chart uh, all the way to, you know, we go to HUDs, all the way to essentially solvers that uh, that work real time. And, uh, and and what is your view on that? Should uh, RTAs, you know, for, for starters, I mean, to make the question simpler, let's say, uh, should we draw a line on what can and cannot be used? Let me start there in terms of RTAs. And, and yes, I think we should we draw should. a line. Okay. I, I think we okay. should draw a line and I don't think it should be allowed. Okay, because I'm actually on the other side of things. It's not like the the, the steroids where we are, nobody knows, and I'm like, you know, maybe we should explore it and see. But in terms of RTAs, I actually think they're they're actually a good thing to 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 let them in 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 the uh, in the community. And the reason for that is, for example, I'll speak from personal experience. I will never play um, in uh, in a high stakes game online. Um, if if I if RTAs are not allowed, and the reason for that is very simple, I don't think necessarily. No matter what people will tell me, I don't necessarily. Uh, I can. I don't have any guarantees that the uh, the site is secure, right? I would never worry about being rigged, which is right the the thing that, that can be a little bit of an oxymoron. But who can guarantee that the person that I'm playing against? is not out there cheating and and I have actually a personal story of this you know like I've been playing a lot of a lot of heads up and um I was playing against a particular account that I was I was down and you know like me me being uh competitive I wanted to actually be able to to beat them so at first I thought it was variance uh then eventually you know I thought you know I was I was worse so I was like you know maybe 
maybe they're better than me, you know, like maybe I can, I have to look into my game. And until eventually I had a very long sample, more than 20,000 hands, uh, where I, I, I realized that uh, basically the, the person was botting, right? So it will take a long time to be able to know whether or not a certain you know account is uh and and i don't i, I certainly do not want to wait for 20,000 20,000 hands to realize if somebody is rting so the the reason why i'm saying and i'm sort of like you know a very heavy favor of allowing rtas is because again it cannot be enforced but also it provides the regulars a tool to basically defend themselves so regular versus regular again nobody's going to make any money only the, the website is going to make any money and against the recreational players you don't need the rtas anyway if you play with an rta you're doing it wrong <laughs> against the recreational player so it's this is sort of like my, my, my hot take for for the day and we can go from there <laughs> yeah i mean uh, i think that the danger is that obviously if it's provided universally, then it needs to be provided by some sort of platform, some sort of operator, right? In right. which case, like everybody has access to it. And then poker just isn't poker anymore. It's just right. like clicking the button that the software is telling me to click. And that to me, like kind of ruins the, the spirit of the game and makes it like mm -hmm. less a, a game of human beings and more a game of software and robots, which to me is just like i mean it's tragic and it's not a game that like i'm super interested in i i will with you 100 percent. and actually to me to me it feels more like okay is this going to be a a game of robots that we can make money or is it going to be a game of robots that actually they're going to take advantage of us <laughs> right. because I, I i do agree with you i mean this is sort of like the direction where it, it's headed and and uh, and incidentally chess.com they actually have the same issue right because engines are far more superior than human beings and chess.com is at the um you know at the risk of losing a lot of customers because people do not want to play against the machine there's a lot of people who are like, just for fun you know i'm going to i'm going to put the engine and then instead of you playing me you're going to be playing the engine so fortunately for them the statistical analysis is far more clear when somebody's using a real-time assistance in chess that you can actually catch it within a few games. So you don't need a very uh, a large sample to know that people are playing perfectly because we know what perfect is in chess. It's actually very, very deterministic and doesn't have a lot of noise like poker does. So in chess is actually chess.com is hammering all of those people because it has an incentive. I sort of silently hope that that would be the result by allowing RTAs, right? By allowing RTAs, maybe, you know, websites will realize that potentially they will lose customers. Although I'm not sure if that would be the case, because like I said, I don't see money changing hands in any different way. Again, reg versus reg is still gonna be uh, a losing battle for both due to rake and then reg versus recreational. If you wanna use RTA, you leave money on the table, up to you. But if you don't would use RTA, then the recreational player again is gonna have the same experience. So, um, but I, I think that actually the websites may decide to to go in a, in a specific, uh, different um, different direction. But let me be specific. How can if we do not allow RTAs, which I, I very much see the point of the argument, right? I mean, it feels you know uh, we we're letting a virus into into our games, and I, and I sort of get it. How can it? How can a player you know like myself, you know, like a a, a, a professional poker player? How can I be guaranteed? that I'm not going to be cheated at the, at the highest stakes. Well, that's kind of the, 
the interesting part of it, right? Is that right. like, as long as I've been playing poker online, I have known that this was part of the the deal, right? Mm-hmm. You, when you sit down, you understand that like there's incentive here for people to cheat. Therefore, there will be some people who cheat. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I do want to talk about one thing regarding RTA and and its pervasiveness, right? What I find, um, what I think is probably the the major fear of players at large is that they're in every game, right? Some some form of RTA is like at every single online poker table. And, And one thing that I would say is like, the person who's actually using the real time assistance needs to have some level of poker sophistication because, well, for a variety of reasons, but number one, if like dude down the road for me, who's never seen poker in his life is like, Oh, here we go. I'm going to download the software. I'm going to play in the site and I'm going to crush it. Right. right. Firstly, they, they still have to deal with like the risk element of it that, that I think is understated and that like, yeah, you can show an inexperienced poker player that like you should get it in here with ACE King for $1,000. However, actually pulling the trigger and getting it in and going on like a 25 buy-in downswing while you're using the RTA and like losing $25,000, you still feel it, right? You you might be clicking the right buttons, you're still gonna go on a downswing and you're still gonna feel the downside, right? So I think that's one natural deterrent to like unsophisticated players using RTA. And as you said, I I think, again, it's more to minimize the edge and reg versus reg battles than to maximally exploit recreational players. So yeah, I don't think that there's going to be a time where it's just like everybody's using it or or like one player at every single stake is using it or multiple players at every single stake are using it. I I just don't really see that as happening. Um, And yeah, there's just the way that I guess we, we need to talk about deterrence, right? Like, mm-hmm. and h- how to deter this type of behavior. Um, number one, the biggest deterrent would be, and I've spoken about this on the pod before, but some sort of criminal penalty. You go to jail, right? You do not collect $200. You go directly to jail. Um, and then, you know, you're a felon or whatever it is for the, the rest of your life, right? Um, so I think that's the major deterrent, right? That would be the the ultimate one where there's a set of guidelines that say, this is acceptable, this is not acceptable, these are the consequences to theft, getting caught, et cetera, right? Um, personal liability, uh, another big part of this, right? Like putting, mm-hmm. putting someone who's accrued millions of dollars effectively out of business and sending them to jail. Um, that would be the number one deterrent. I don't think that's going to happen maybe ever. I have maybe probably not in my lifetime, right? So the second thing that maybe sorry to interrupt you, but maybe if poker ever gets regulated in a proper way and becomes part of the, you know, the rest of society instead of just being like a gray, sort of like borderline shady area, maybe that can happen at some point. Maybe. Do people get arrested when they are caught like cheating in a casino? Yes. They do? They yes. go to jail? Yes. And I mean, the, the, people people can be, yes, if it's a, because uh, it, it's considered again. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a lawyer. But I mean, this is this considers some sort of a, a form of, of a theft. Now, specifically, uh, the, the reason why I'm I'm a little bit hesitant here is because there's certain gray areas. Like for instance, with blackjack, um, there was a huge uh, legal case where people, uh, the casinos, were trying to say, "Hey, they're cheating from us," 
and the, the blackjack players were saying we're just using we're just using our brains right if you're using a specific device then that's considered you know the smoking gun so to speak and you can actually get uh, penalties for that like you have to pay fees and, and, and things like that once again not a lawyer but that's the my, my understanding of it okay yeah so maybe right well I guess we'd have to wait and see, right? I don't know how the in investigative process would have to work and all of that. But the second major deterrent would be that you can't play poker, right? Mm -hmm. You just, you had, you get caught, there's undeniable proof of wrongdoing and you're effectively fired from mm -hmm. your job, right? Which is where, you know, blacklisting would effectively sure. come in, which is quite a major deterrent. Right, it, for for professional poker players, like the the way that we ply our trade and make money is through playing poker, and if you lose the ability to do that, right, like let's say your handed mob gets scrubbed, you can't buy in. There's a coalition of card rooms that say we don't want your service um, across you know the United States. You get on the list, you you can't buy in, you can't play these tournaments. Um, you can't uh, log on and play on the various major poker platforms here. I, I mean, there's always going to be a way to like get in action underground. I, I think we can just pretty much say that that's 100% certain. However, I do think there are things that could be done that make the incentives of cheating not worth it, which would be the idea, right? Because like right now, same as in baseball in the 90s, the incentives were to cheat because th there was no deterrent, right? Um, but when people stopped getting voted in the Hall of Fame, when they started getting suspended for a year and then five years, um, and they really hammered down, uh, you know, there's much less cases of steroid use in, in baseball. Um, in the same way, like that could happen in poker as well, which would be the idea behind a blacklist. And there's a lot of different elements of said list that I think are worthy of discussion. For instance, time of penalty for x penalty right like should it be lifetime mm -hmm. if you're 21 years old like uh the extent of the cheating right like what is the extent of using rta i mean all of these like how, how do you prove undeniably that someone has been abusing the system and is effectively stealing money from players mm -hmm. uh, that's a major part of it because it's quite terrifying the thought of just some you know powers that be in an ivory tower saying a oh, player <laughs> x y or z you're no longer allowed to play right so right. the whole process of you know governing the the system would have to be well thought out and well executed and yeah i think it's you know even coming up with such a system is quite challenging and a lot more challenging than just allowing RTA, <laughs> like your, your, your suggestion. I, I, absolutely. No, no, no. I mean, here's the thing, uh, to, to your point, uh, right? I mean, you're taking the platonic view. You're being Plato, right? I mean, you, you're having, this is something that has been tried before, and it is a very um, honorable way to think about things, right? I mean, the other side is the Diogenes sort of like approach. I mean, you're taking the, the top-down approach where we're basically trying to think this through and intelligently try to figure it out in a very uh, holistic way. And if actually that works, it's the best way to do things. Now, in terms of practicality, somebody like Diogenes will ask two questions. And these questions would be, number one, how do we prove that somebody cheated? 
which is a very big if, like what if that person has, again, a very sophisticated software, which is similar to baseball? What if they have like a really nice uh, hiding uh, tracing mechanisms for whatever, uh, you know, toxins they induce into the bodies? And um, the question number two, even if somehow, you know, um, there is some proof or independently of whether there is a proof or not, how do we enforce those rules? Right, which is, I guess, these two things are are a little bit uh, are a little bit related, right? And and I would even ask a third question: uh, if we live in a world where, let's say, for the sake of the argument, these things are unenforceable or untraceable, what do we do in that case, even temporarily? What do we do in a situation where, you know, and again, you don't have to you don't have to take my premise for this, right? I mean, no, this is an uh, yes. what What's your opinion on what yes. we should do? Oh, personally, like specifically for RTAs, because again, I've been, uh, you know, and, and you, you too, like it's, uh, you and I have been in the poker world long enough to know that, you know, there, there's no, you know, uh, sort of hope inside for poker players to change, right? I mean, as long as there's financial incentive, people are going to cheat. So my approach to, to problems like that, especially when it comes to online, is all bets are off. Basically, you go ahead and you do whatever the hell you want to do, you know, and everybody knows about it, right? You want to go ahead, you want a multi-counting, go for it. You want to RTA, go for it. And it will become like a crazy thing where basically everybody has access to everything. And it will, you know, what I'm hoping it will happen, it will actually bring the, the, the house down. And then people re will realize that, you know, maybe we, we need to have incentives like chess.com to do things better. Because the issue is, by creating the false narrative, oh, you know what, we do have security, come to our website, but then knowing about all of the cheating going on on the site and do nothing about it because, again, you don't want to, you know, <laughs> hurt your reputation, you do poker players a disservice. Let people fight back. Let people who want to play uh, honestly fight back, use their own RTAs, have the situation, again, because, again, what I'm thinking about is that the recreational players are not going to get hurt anyway. The recreational players are going to lose variance aside. I mean, no, no RTA is going gonna, is gonna to protect from variance, right? So the recreational players playing the recreational player strategy, they're going to lose whether they're playing against an exploitative strategy or an RTA type of strategy. What so, I think is missing from this, your side of the argument, though, Duncan, is the image of online poker when all these things are just like in your face from, you know, the, the recreational player side, right? Like I, I think the image of poker, I don't know if it would recover from such an experiment. Do you think, no, that's, this is very good. I think I, I agree with you hundred percent. And, uh, uh, and uh, <laughs> to, to be fair, you know, I would argue that the, the, we're not doing very well in the marketing department. You know, when people hear of online poker, they don't exactly think of the most prestigious, you know, industry in the yeah, world. I, I don't know, right? Like, so I guess the loudest voices seem to be the ones on social media, but I don't know if that's the actual pulse of the poker world at large. Because as I'm reminded, when I go to a live event, right, the poker community itself is so big. Not everyone mm -hmm. is as immersed in it. Um, not not everybody who's listening to this podcast right now. When you go on Twitter, you know everything is poker, right? Like for me, Correct. it's all poker all the time. Everybody that I follow, all the tweets I like, like 
Be, sorry, before knows. we get sidetracked, I was referring to the non-poker community, what they think about the, the poker community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I meant. Yeah. Right, and I'm not sure, right? So I, I don't know how Joe Blow, who sees poker on World Poker Tour and signs up to play on Ignition, actually feels about online poker, right? I, I'm not sure collectively if they think that everybody's cheating or that it's a scam or that it's rigged or they just want to play some poker, right? Like I, I don't really know their opinions and I think it's kind of impossible to know their opinions because for the most part, I, I think they're silent. Um, now I do think it's, yeah, like we can't be silent as a community for as these scandals uh, unveil themselves. Um, and even before the scandals unveil themselves, I think that, you know, there should be some kind of system in place to allow folks to blow the whistle, um, to submit incriminating information somehow. I'm not exactly sure, again, how that would go down or how that would work. But like the system that we have in place right now is just not – oh, it's not existent really. It just doesn't, doesn't really exist, right? It's like, oh, well, you, you get caught – cheating or there's these heavy allegations and like your life doesn't change at all you still like go down and play against the people that you've been wrecking um this face to face right it's like it's kind of silly and then one question we, we, we can ask however is are there going to be scandals if you know everything is allowed you know within of course the the, what would the be a scandal of the if everything's allowed how could there be a scandal? Duncan? Exactly. exactly. I mean, but what is everything, right? Like collusion, right? Collusion, sure. Yeah, people, if they, if they, if they want to collude, I mean, I mean, let them be. You know, let 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 them collude. And if if the website actually has a way to stop collusion, honestly, I, I obviously I don't condone collusion, right? I I hate collusion. I don't want to. Wouldn't want to be in the middle of it. But what I'm trying to say is that instead of pretending that everything is peachy and there's security. And people can actually catch, you know, the cheaters, you know, let it, let it be wh whatever it, it is that it, that it may be. And then from there, we start fixing, you know, because again, if that ends up, you know, drying up specific games and then the, the websites are not going to have any revenue, then they're going to, they're going to try to change it exactly the same way that chess.com for survival, for survival reasons. And keep in mind, chess is not played for money. But they were trying to say, you know, nobody likes to play against engines, right? I'm, say, I'm sure chess.com chess is not making a ton of revenue either, right? They're not going <laughs> to blow up their business model uh, by doing such a thing. Whereas, you know, online poker is generating, you know, billions and billions of dollars. These are billion dollar companies that would basically the, be risking all that revenue. For sure, for sure. But at, le at least, you know, they will be they would be honest with their with the player base instead of, you know, pretending, you know, their security. I hear I hear that word all, all the time. And I'm actually I'm actually not convinced. I, I never believe a single word. I'm not you know, you don't have to be, you know, conspiratorial. Right. All you have to do is just be in the past, you know, 20 years and see all the scandals of ghosting, multi-counting, even people who today we, we revere. Right. I mean, there is a lot of shady people doing a lot of shady stuff and, and and to be honest with you there's also a lot of good people do a lot of shady stuff just because nobody tells them otherwise so they're just exploring things and they do all all, all, all that stuff so i'm very you know very skeptical you know like, like i said i mean i had my, my personal experience i was waiting i know better to just say that the website is rigged right so i know better to say that just because i had a, a losing streak of five thousand hands something something is wrong so i had to wait i had to wait for ten thousand hands that's a 20,000 hands, you know, yeah. 
Th that's the thing. I, you know, you will never say, like, I was like, okay, the first thing I will say, I'm, I'm inferior to that player because, you know, that's, a, that's more likely than, than, than being cheated. Let, 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 let's face it. But then you realize that for every one person that gets caught, there's probably 10 people who don't or who will never get caught. And then we have to, to deal with all of that. Right. And this is the problem. Well, like, so there, the incentives of the, the poker operator are such that they're not even super incentivized to right. like get rid of bots. Right. right. Like, exactly. I mean, because bots generate rake and put in lots of volume, right? Of it's, it, they, they're, they're, they can because they have no emotions and they've got no brain. Um, so they just click buttons and click buttons and click buttons and generate shitloads of rake, right? So like you, you can see how the incentives for the operators are already compromised just right there where it's like, ugh, like, yeah, you, you guys have like a thousand bots on your platform, but those bots make so much money for right. you that like, right. is it worth it to like be proactive and, and kick them off? And I mean, depending on the operator and you know what their values are, for the most part, I would say their values and what their incentive is, is to make money. Um, also, another sort of, I guess, issue is, I'm not going to say issue because I understand it from a business perspective, but in all of the hubbub, um, someone who had you know worked in Star Security basically responded in a thread. I can't remember his name, but he responded in a thread about how you know Stars had invested something like... $50 million into security over these past, like, however many years. And that, you know, because they've made this investment, they're not going to share the ways that they police their games with other platforms because they feel that gives them a competitive advantage, right? Sure. So I understand this from the business standpoint, right? They invested their resources. It gives them a competitive advantage. And maybe people play on stars because they feel safer than, a separate website. But what it also says at the same exact time is that they don't care about the games being fair, mm -hmm. right? They, right? Like they, they, that's not their, that, that's not their MO. They, they right. really, they don't care because if they did care, it would be open source and they would share it with everyone. So, you know, I, I think that's like something that everybody has to bear in mind is like um, the incentives of the operator are, are not such that kicking cheaters off their platform is a major priority. Um, because you're basically spending money so that less people play on your platform, right? Which is, yeah, just, <laughs> it's a tough pill to swallow. It's a tough road to go down if you're running a, a poker website. Absolutely. I, I would agree with that with that 100%. And, and, and to be fair, you know, part of what we, we're talking about is a little bit uh, rhetorical. You know, I don't think that at any point everything is going to, it, it goes, but it's, it's a nice, um, I think, philosophical anchor to, um, do this thought experiment and, and and see what would happen because I I do feel that at the uh, I mean nobody knows what would actually happen unless it happens but one possible outcome out of all this is that the recreational players who are really the uh, real customers out of all of this I don't think anything is going to change to them because in the end of the day the recreational players are basically going to a casino and they're gambling uh, their, their, their money. So whether they're gambling it to a machine or they're gambling it to a, a human or they're gambling it to a human that uses a machine, in the end of the day, it doesn't make much difference. If they are actually willing to sit in front of a screen instead of going to a casino, perhaps 
you know, what I'm saying is that this wouldn't surprise me if that was the outcome, right? I mean, we wouldn't know unless we actually run the experiment, but it would at least make sense that, you know, uh, as long as they, um, they gamble, it doesn't necessarily ma matter where they gamble their, their money to. Yeah, I mean, it, maybe it's just like all, all the, the pros and uh, grievous violation of privacy to have to have like a 360 degree camera on like in, chess. Their, in their environment at all times right. while they play right. and somebody can observe everything that's going circularly around them and everything that's on their screen um, just to make sure, right? That they do that in high-end uh, chess tournaments, by the way. They do, do that, they? The, double, the double camera. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because again, I mean, you, you, you can, um, at the super high level of chess, you don't need to make many great moves. You only need one move to get like an incremental advantage and then the grandmaster will take it from there. And similarly, you can do that in, in, in poker too. There's see how like, see how, see how gross it is, right? Like yeah. there's not even a ton of money in chess. And mm -hmm. people are still cheating, right? For to what end? I don't, I don't understand that part of it. It's like, what's the point? Like, you're looking for like some kind of status, prestige. I mean, in poker, the incentives are obvious in that you know there's money here, right? Like, there's money to be made directly from it. But chess, I, I don't, I don't understand. Could you enlighten me, Duncan? What, what's the, sure. what's the point? I mean, point? I, I don't know if I can enlighten you, but I'm, I'm pretty sure ancestors had something something to say about that stuff he usually say there is a there is a saying that basically said you know like uh, a lot of people hated money but nobody hated glory you mm. know so they, I, I guess what you know our ancestors were uh our, um, you know our, or our predecessors i should say are basically trying to tell us at this point is that you know people need to feel important in one way or another and uh, if you know, that prestige or that status uh, is, you know, there are right and wrong ways to do things, but sometimes, you know, lying to ourselves and trying to be in, in, in a spot which is not earned. And uh, um, and again, I mean, the, the best liars are usually the people who actually lie to themselves first, incidentally. So um, sometimes people people can get there. I remember I, remember I, was, <laughs> I was watching an interview about some of these scandals and they interviewed uh, Matt Damon and they asked him something uh and then he said it happens in uh, in the movie industry all the time people want to be famous and I'm, i i asked them all the time you want to be famous for what exactly and then there's no answer just famous people want to be famous for the sake of being of being famous and when i say people i mean we're all people you know like i mean i'm not i'm not just uh, in a self-righteous kind of like way i'm excluding myself out of this sure but but at at the, at the same at the same time is you know um, in in that situation like 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 we had that conversation before Brad right I mean um, you and I we don't we don't really like to you know I I get what you're saying right I mean like what's the point if you know you cheated you know you haven't won right I mean it's like that's not real like I feel exactly the same way like if you get something without actually trying no matter how many people you you confuse and no matter how many uh you know uh people you tell that to you convince you cannot convince yourself right that's that that's the real issue so but what i'm saying is that sometimes perhaps it is uh at least good to to give also the good people some of the tools and then and then see see what happens at least at a philosophical level it will never happen at the practical 
Right. Hopefully that answers a little bit. So hopefully our ancestors can answer that question because I certainly can't. <laughs> so taking a step forward, a little bit out of the philosophical realm, sure. um, just your snap gut opinion on um, the consequences, poker blacklisting. Uh, mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? How do you think that should be? Like, what do you think that system should look like? Right. I'm, I'm a very big fan of um, crowdsourcing. Um, of sorts. And by crowdsourcing, I mean, I'm a big fan of, uh, of rating systems, like when it comes to movies, I'm a big fan of public forums. So I think the best way in situations like this is the, um, you know, the, the, the public outcry. So the poker community, by and large, has been very astute with issues and has also been very accurate. I'm not saying there hasn't been misaccusations and things like that, but technically, Typically speaking, because there's a lot of people who are good people, and the majority of people are actually good people, and they mean good. Even the people who do bad things, sometimes they're good people. I'm excluding the psychopaths because there's always going to be evil in the world. Uh, but for 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 the most part, you know, when something uh, happens, um, the, the the majority tends to sort of like uh, rise the, those 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 ideas to the top. So, uh, for me, any form of of blacklisting has to be in the form of public outcries. Because I don't think any particular- And what are the consequences after public outcry? Well, I mean, the, 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 the you mean, what are the tangible consequences? Okay, so there's, um, let's, I guess, let's split it. So there's some tangible uh, consequences. And for me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, do anything that cannot be enforced, which may seem arbitrary. Like for instance, I've mentioned that before, some people may not want to play with Howard Letterer and, you know, Chris Ferguson, or, you know, um, other people like um, Russ Hamilton, or they may not want to play with uh, Jose Giramacedo, or they don't want to play with Michael Postle at, at the poker table, you know. Um, now, this is this is very difficult difficult to be enforced because, you know, come, what are we going to say? You have an ID that says Mike Postle, <laughs> right? And they say, I, uh, sorry, sir. <laughs> Allegedly, I don't know. That's that's what I hear. People don't want to play. I don't know. I have not. <laughs> but my, 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 my point is, though, that, you know, the, um, I tend to be a little bit cautious when it comes to top-down enforcements, because again, where do we draw the line? And how can this be exploited? So how does a casino, which is an entity, decide who does and who doesn't play at the poker table? But I do think, I do think that humans at large and poker players at large should actually express their appearance. And if they say, you know what, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to play with these guys. I think it would be to the casino's best interest to say, you know what, if the entire table doesn't want you here, you know what, sir, you're not welcome here because the customers are not welcoming you. Yeah. You know, some sort of like crowd outsourcing of this kind of ideas and ostracizing of people that we think that, you know, they may have broken the rule. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, this? I guess the, the second part is like, I think poker is comprised of a lot of folks who are, naturally introverted and non-confrontational. And so the practical uh, implementation of just shunning someone, I don't know how, you know, much that would take root. Like, I, I don't, I don't think that that would have, I mean, you know, there, there's instances right now, right, where people are being heavily accused of cheating folks out of millions and millions of dollars and still just kind of are there, right? They, they just like sit down at the table and buy in and they, they play and act like everything's all hunky dory and totally normal. Um, so like, th 
that already happens and, and those folks haven't been shunned, right? There, there haven't been like, you know, people boycotting or not playing in a specific tournament because a said player is in the tournament. But I mean, in the, the case of like Stones and Mike Postle, that whole situation, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the casino effectively did nothing, right? right. Like they, they did nothing to, they didn't weigh in on it. They didn't ban anybody. They didn't investigate. I mean, they said they investigated, but I, but I think like, you know, I can speak for everyone when I say that they probably didn't investigate. Uh, you know, they hired like, you know, my cat to go and run an investigation into the whole scheme. And, you know, the cat ran around and rubbed its head on some tables and um, meowed and said, everything's cool. You know, nothing happened. So, so like, when there's not incentive for a casino to do something, I mean, that's another thing too, right? Like how, how do you, one thing that I can imagine happening at a casino is like you, you blacklist somebody. What if they also are like a major degen and go and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars or lose millions of dollars in the pit, right? Well, the casino probably doesn't really care if they're cheating people in poker, right? Just, they just don't. I mean, so are they going to, exile that person from the casino or is it just specifically the card room i mean you have to imagine it's just a card room in which case like is a casino again are they incentivized to keep people out are they incentivized to have less people play in tournaments and less people play in cash games they're not so like there's this natural clash of incentives here that make this whole situation exceptionally difficult to navigate absolutely And, and you're actually making a very good point because in the end of the day it comes back to that business and we have to deal with the reality of the issue that the casinos are running businesses. So part of the reason why I'm suggesting outsourcing is because that, I mean, crowd outsourcing. And by, by that, I'm, I'm using metaphorically. I mean, uh, let, you know, the public sort of like decide what they, they feel about those individuals is because eventually uh, the casino is going to have to make a cost benefit analysis. And they're going to say, okay. So that person, uh, person X who cheated, makes me Y amount of money. But at the same time, it create when he's around, a lot of people are feeling uncomfortable. There's a lot of you know fights that uh, that, that break in. Cost benefit analysis: Do I want to keep this person in or not? And in the end of the day, without saying that there is a specific rule, because again, where do we draw the line? That the rules can be very difficult. They can make a judgment based on what you know, based on what people feel. Because I, I, I feel that it is very, very difficult to, to do this, this top-down analysis. Again, in an, in an ideal world, in a world that, you know, uh, Plato, of all people, like we're talking about Plato, we're talking about some of the, the smartest people that ever lived on this planet, you know, uh, in an ideal world where, you know, the right people are in the right positions, perhaps we can actually have a top-down approach that has specific clear rules. And, and, and to be fair, Part of our modern society has achieved that. There is a part of our society which is which is top down. It's not a perfect society, but it's much better than it was like a thousand years ago. So this is not a full errand. It's worth discussing those topics and those ideas are, are are great. But at the same time, I feel we live in an environment where information flows very quickly. So casinos can actually listen, can incorporate that information, and and, and consumers can push in in specific in specific directions. Yeah. At least that's my thoughts. Yeah. No, those are all great thoughts. And it's one way to target the incentives that I think makes sense um, from a, on a practical level, because a lot of things are, you know, impractical. I mean, the idea of like a blacklist is like great in theory, right? And then 
when it comes down to like practically implementing the measures and like asking ourselves, you know, what does undeniable proof even mean? And what is the punishment? And like, how do we scale these things? And basically you're a governing body at that point. And like, who's elected? Who's the judge, jury, and executioner, right? Is it some kind of counsel? Is everything uh, investigated independently? And, and don't get me wrong. I actually think that like poker has a lot of raw intelligence, like as a community. And Absolutely. I think by and large, most folks who are in the community want the best for poker and don't want to destroy everything. Like, I, I think that like, like the thing that we see and that stands out is a bunch of, you know, bad actors who mm -hmm. also like kind of a bad acting black hole suck in other people to kind of turn them into minions and do their bidding for them. Right. Um, and that's, that stands out just, it's way more obvious than the folks who aren't doing such a thing. Right. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a tough situation. And I think like for now in, on this episode of philosophical Friday, I think we can, we can put a pin in, in the discussion. Is there, are there any questions that, uh, or any threads that you feel we should resolve before we call it a day? No, I think, I think you did an, you did an excellent job, both summarizing and, uh, and approaching approaching both sides so it's a it's a very tense situation uh, between the top down and the bottom up approach i mean there is uh, a um ideally we would be able to find a system which uh will accommodate the majority of people that would be a top down approach and and hopefully there's also some bottom up tinkering that can happen at the same time to calibrate and actually help us gauge what this top down approach would be by trying different things, which is part of the reason. And I want to I want to make that clear because we say things like let everything be. And some people are saying, oh, you know, Duncan doesn't care about the poker community or he doesn't care about online poker. For the record, uh, you're the one saying let everything be. I just want to. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No, I'm taking full responsibility. Absolutely. So my my my, my point here is that uh, I very much do care. And I think that sometimes tinkerings of that type can actually uncover issues with our approaches, with our top-down approaches. And then we can actually uh, get a, a better system at the end. So I, I, I do feel that by um, experimenting with different approaches, and, and that has actually happened in the past. Certain websites allowed for HUDs, otherwise other, other websites banned them. And then we saw the difference. And, you know, by and large, there wasn't much difference in terms of you know, uh, that's my understanding anyway in profitability. So people learn by tinkering. And I think that would be an interesting uh, an interesting thing to try in a modern era where RTAs are everywhere and technology actually can allow for people to do this and and, and go undercover. And and incidentally, uh, one, one more thing that I want to say is that um, typically uh, people who do things uh, repeatedly are the ones who, who get caught, right? We have no idea how many people, you know, at the, at the high stakes, they might have used, you know, RTAs in very key moments and then nobody knows any better because it's one, you know, one one moment or two moments. So who knows, you know? Right, the, so. the scariest thing about the ultimate bet scandal back in the day with the super user and the whole Russ Hamilton thing is like, well, you know, just if I were to have that power, I would have ran it 20 big blinds per hundred and nobody would have ever known. Uh, like, you know what I mean? Like if somebody Absolutely. who is like actually thinking about 
how it looks and like because a poker community found that not ultimate bet right because right. again the incentives are like uh, not in alignment for ultimate bet to publicize that somebody was super using so they denied it for a long time and the poker community is the one that like proved mathematically this person is cheating right um because oh this one account is like winning tournaments all the time right they just seem to be like making all the best decisions at, at every single spot well yeah obviously like obvious that's very obvious and it actually is quite shameful to me that russ hamilton has won a world series of poker because like oh my god like how dumb do you have to be to do such a thing in that way um but what what's terrifying <laughs> like yeah i'm i'm uh criticizing russ hamilton's ability to cheat right yeah, now. School, yeah no, no, um, but, but but that's good you see you have to think like a cheater to be able to catch one and that is important and what's terrifying is that who's to say that someone smart didn't have a super user account they could have right there's no how, how would you know if they were doing it in, a, in an intelligent way that's what's terrifying at the end of the day is that yeah there could have been super more super users on ultimate bet there could have been super users on other platforms and if they're smart about it you would never know the difference and that's what's you know that to me is what's scariest of all with with these scandals um and to kind of you know wrap up here should something be done moving forward one way or the other as it relates to these issues because there's a lot of talk i don't know of a ton of action that i've seen um or at least organize i guess I, what, what's interesting to me too is like it's not like this this is something like new right it's not like right. oh wow this is a this is a problem in poker and everybody's like gaining wind of it like all spontaneously at the same time like people know what's going on, especially anybody that's in the security side of the industry, anybody that's in the high stakes side, they have an idea of what's been going on. So it's not like this uh, moment of spontaneous realization. Um, it, it's more so creating a system that uh, deals with this in an intelligent way where there's actual consequences is a difficult thing to pull off, right? That like, that's, that's the major problem. And like, I wish I've thought about this key problem many, many hours in my life. Um, how do we do a better job? And it's a hard problem as somebody it's that like, hard problem. as somebody that loves solving hard problems, this one has, you know, it's got me stumped in this way, Absolutely. right? Where there's not an easy solution. Um, but me, me too, incidentally, and that's the reason why I'm making that suggestion, right? right? I mean, that's like, if I wanted, if I would like to see something, it would be experimentation on what happens if we push the boundaries on what is allowed, like what would happen if let's say step-by-step step, we allow more and more uh, software uh, to infiltrate uh, the online world, what would you like to see, Brad? What would be something that you would like to see like from a, from a practical, from a practical standpoint? I'm not sure. Or from I'm a so, theoretical standpoint even. Well, I, I, I'm not sure. You know, I, I have to think about this more. I have to think about like, how do, we, how do you attack the incentives in a way that makes sense um, where, you know, it's, it's effectively not a system of like, oh, we find out, out about stuff because a horse becomes disgruntled or guilty, right? Like we're, we're banking on guilty consciences to, to come forward, to, to blow the whistle. I mean, that to me is like not a super great system. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I have to think about it because I, I don't know that I have a better one like right off the top of my head because it's just such a gigantic problem to solve. But I guess to answer 
you know, my question is, you know, does something need to be done? Yes, I, something needs to be done. I think, I don't know how exactly it's going to be done. I don't know who's going to do it. Um, but I, I do think that something needs to be done. And, 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 and I can't help it because it is Philosophical Friday. I just want to point out something to the listener. You know, sometimes the best answer is to not give an answer if you don't have one ready. I think that's, that, that's phenomenal, right? I mean, you know, like, it's, it's okay to say that a problem is, uh, is deep and difficult. It actually shows appreciation of the actual problem instead of just actually proposing a solution that could actually be bad. So what you did right there, just for the listener, I think it's, it's an incredibly important answer. And I can apply it to poker too. It has nothing to do with today's conversation, but the idea that, you know what, I'm not sure yet. I'm still investigating. I'm thinking about it. And that's a sign of actually seriously thinking about a problem instead of just trying to say, you know what, I'm trying to patch it up. And, you know, I'm just going to throw out a solution there because I want to be a talking head and I want to just, you know, say something. So I, kudos to you. I think, I think you do show that you have thought about a problem like this at a very deep level. And I just want to make that comment. Well, I appreciate that, Duncan. And yeah, so I guess with that said, you know, I appreciate that a lot. And we'll wrap up today's conversation. You kind of have to be able to say, I don't know, as a poker player, Absolutely. I think, or to, to reach the higher levels of the game, you have to be comfortable saying, you know what? I, I don't know the answer here. I say this to my students and my wolves all the time, right? They're like, what should I do? I'm like, I'm not really sure. Let's investigate it. Let's try to learn um, because it's a big game and this problem is a big problem. And there are a lot of big problems in the world where, yeah, the answer is not obvious and it's requires lots of thought and maybe maybe me personally would never be able to find the solution right maybe it takes a team of people or somebody more intelligent more insightful uh more creative th than i to actually solve it but you know i hope those people are thinking about it uh as much as i have and i hope that the powers that be are uh, looking at this problem and giving it the weight that it deserves because it's an important one to to, to move fast excellent very well said. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.